How many of us like long plane rides? Anybody? Anybody? Bless your heart. Um, recently, I had the opportunity last month to travel to Manzini, Swaziland, as we launched our fifth community um, in Swaziland. It's amazing. Getting ready to send a team. Actually, a team is on their way uh, right now. And then Bob and Mavis are headed there tomorrow, I believe. Uh, but what I didn't anticipate is that this flight was going to be this long. And uh, so we had a two-hour flight to Atlanta, and then we had a 13-hour flight to South Africa. Yeah. And uh, so my plan was, okay, we get to Atlanta. I'm going to get something to eat. If you know me, I love food. doesn't matter what kind of food it is. I will put it in my body. And... Uh, and I was gonna get to Atlanta, I was gonna eat, I was gonna get something in my stomach, I was gonna get on the plane, I was gonna drink my dream water. If you don't know what that is, it is like a five hour energy drink, but it helps you go to sleep. 25 minutes after you drink it, boom, you're out. And it's all natural. I don't know why I needed to tell you that it was all natural, I just wanted <laughs> you to know that I'm not doing anything weird. And uh, so I, I had this plan. And it was all going according to plan until I fell asleep and I got the pillow in like the perfect position. Got the blanket on, I'm cozy, and I knock out. And somewhere in my sleep, I wake up and I'm like, man, why is the surface that my head is on so hard? Like where, where did my, like, is my pillow even doing anything? Like my head's not that big. And, uh, and so I wake up, and I'm like frustrated. And I'm, I, my head is touching the window. And I'm like, okay, my pillow's gone. So I'm like looking everywhere for the pillow. I even get out of the seat. I'm looking under the seat in front of me. I'm looking behind me. And I'm trying to figure out where my pillow is. And then I turn around. I turn around and I look at the person behind me. Wonderful lady peacefully sleeping, her head on one pillow, and in her hands, held so tightly, like a teddy bear, is another pillow. And I said, that better not be my pillow. <laughs> and I looked, and, and here's the thing, all the seats were full. There was no empty seat on my row, there's no empty seat on her row. It could only be her. She stole my pillow. And when we got off the plane, oh, I was so mad because my plan was, oh, I'm going to sleep most of the 13 hours. Then I'll wake up, we'll be there, and we'll be done. And I wake up, and sure enough, it only been like four hours. So I got nine left, and I didn't know what to do with myself. And uh, so we get off the plane, and this lady is, is walking, and Danny's in front of me, and Danny's like telling me to come on, and here's what I'm doing. I'm looking at this lady. Danny's walking, this lady's behind me, and I'm doing this the whole time. Mm. And I'm trying, I'm giving her every eye I could give her because I want her to know. I am so upset at you because what you did was wrong. You stole my pillow. I gave her every judgy I, my eyes could make at this lady. And tonight, 
We're going to talk about all the judgy eyes. All the judgy eyes. And uh, aren't you glad you came to church tonight? <laughs> Here's the thing. It's, it's going to be challenging. Even in, in, in doing this teaching, it was challenging for me. My wife and I, yesterday and Friday, we'd have moments where we'd be in our apartment, and I would say something, or she would do something, and I'd be like, oh, you need to hear my message. <laughs> judging me and then she would look at me I would do something and she would say did you even finish your message <laughs> it's gonna be challenging but I, I, I truly believe that sometimes the most beneficial things that God has for us aren't easy to hear and receive and so I, I just want to ask that you would stay with me stay with me Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, it says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time... There's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And I love the message translation because it's a little bit more how I actually talk. It sounds a little bit like Brooklyn. It says this, don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit and I love critical spirit because it reminds me that it's, it's an issue of the heart. It's not a physical thing. It's not an emotional thing. But when it says a critical spirit, it lets me know that this is an issue of the heart. The critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. And it's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you? when your own face is distorted by contempt. It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off of your own face, and you might be fit. You might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. And Jesus calls us to live in such a way that we do not simply judge others or have a critical spirit towards others, but that we would live our life in such a way that we are the difference that we want to see in our world. That we would be the change that we want to see. And my prayer today is that we would take a moment to honestly look at ourselves in the mirror, take a look at our own actions, and honestly allow the Holy Spirit to examine us, to take an inward look at what might be going on in our heart. Now let me pray for us. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. And God, I thank you um, right now, and I pray, would you bless that woman who stole my pillow? Uh, and uh, would you give her a lot of pillows, pillows that she doesn't even know what to do with? And uh, would you help us to hear your voice tonight? And right where you are, if you would just say this, God, if you speak, 
I'll listen. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've been in this series as a church called Upside Down, and we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, which is a collection of teachings that Jesus gave to help those who were following him do so well. The thing with these teachings in this Sermon on the Mount is that they kind of flip the world upside down. Things that may seem normal to Jesus aren't so normal to us in the world that we still live in today. But he says this, he commands us, he says, do not judge. Do not judge. And here's the thing, most of us, whether we have an extensive knowledge of the Bible or not, we've heard that. And we know that it comes from the Bible. Maybe we didn't know that Jesus was the, actually the one who said it, but we've heard it. Do not judge. Do not judge. And I think one of the things that I always take away from it is we kind of just stop there. We don't finish the passage. We just tend to stop there. But I believe as we dive in tonight to these verses, these five verses, that there's three things that we can learn from what Jesus is trying to teach us and how he's calling us to live. And the first one is this, get over yourself. Look at the person to your left, tell them, get over yourself. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say it like you really want to say it. You can do it one more time. Turn to the person to your right, tell them, get over yourself. But Jesus starts, he starts that first verse with those three words. He says, do not judge. And one of the first questions that we have to ask ourselves is, well, why do we judge others? Why are we so quick sometimes to have a critical spirit towards others? And here's the thing. Not everything is always a critical spirit. There are moments where it is, honestly, just really good feedback. But because we've been judged before, we're always quick to assume that that is a critical spirit. But we have to ask ourselves, why do we judge others? And as, as people who are following Jesus or as people of faith, sometimes we're the most judgmental people. Sometimes we're the most judgmental people. And here's the reason why. If we're honest with ourselves, we're self-righteous. If we're honest with ourselves, we're self-righteous. A lot of us like to give feedback, but we don't like to receive it. I'm that way. When we were living in Florida, we had the opportunity to serve at a church in Florida. And uh, every time I would be done with the weekend, leading worship on the weekend, I would always ask Tess, hey, how was it? And uh, if you know my wife, she is as blunt as, as can be. She tells it like it is. But there was one weekend in particular. We had done six services. It was great. The band was just, mm. and uh, we're in the car on the way to eat. I'm on cloud nine. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I just felt like the band was just, they were just on it, all six services. It was great. What do you think? And she looked over at me in the car. She said, it's all right. <laughs> I was like, cool, I'm never asking you again. I'm good. <laughs> but how many times do we find ourselves in situations where we're so quick to give feedback, but the moment that somebody is trying to give it back to us. We're like, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. We're self-righteous sometimes. 
And here's what I know is that self-righteousness, it's ignorant and it's arrogant. Because what I know is that my righteousness is not from anything that I've done. But my righteousness comes from Jesus and the sacrifice that he made on the cross. Self-righteous. And and self-righteous people sometimes like to tell people, compare themselves to others. And then they kind of have God on a leash. And what I mean by that is in our self-righteousness, what happens is we lower the standard of God's holiness and we elevate our own. So what happens is we're saying, oh, I'm so much better than her. And I can't believe she did that. Oh, I'm so much better than him and I would never do that. And we start saying, I'm so much better, I'm so much better and I would never, I would never. And all the while we're like, God, sit. God, just sit. And what happens is we actually lower the standard of God's holiness and elevate our own self-righteous. And maybe all we need to do is simply get over ourselves. And self-righteous people oftentimes are not very (laughs) self-aware. You can ask my wife. That is me, to a T. But maybe we simply need to get over ourselves. And that's why this command that Jesus gives us to do not judge in verse 1 is so important. Do not judge. Don't criticize me. It's none of your business. Don't confront me about my behavior because it's none of your business. Don't talk to me about what I'm wearing because it's none of your business. And we end it there. We say, do not judge me, period. But if we look at the text, it doesn't end with a period. It ends with a comma. It means that Jesus isn't done telling us what he needs to tell us. And if we keep going in that verse, it says, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And Jesus is simply saying this, judge others the way that you want to be judged. And it makes me ask the question, how do you want to be judged? How do I want to be judged? Now, if I had to answer that question, I would say, I want to be judged not. (laughs) That would probably be your answer as well. No one likes to be judged. But if I honestly had to answer that question, I would say, I would want you to judge me with grace, and I want you to judge me with mercy. And what I mean by that is when you judge me, if you judge me, I want you to take into account my entire story. Take into account the family that I was raised in. Take into account the the school that I went to. Take into account the things that I might be struggling with. Take into account my whole life. Because here's what I know is that when Jesus went to the cross, he took into account everything and still chose to give everything. So I wonder if we asked ourselves, how many times have I simply dismissed someone 
written them off without hearing the entire story. If we honestly asked ourselves how many times and why, why, why? Like the woman on the plane, I didn't take into account anything. She took my pillow. At the end of the day, that's all I cared about. I know it sounds like I'm not over it. I'm good, I promise. <laughs> but I didn't take into account that maybe, just maybe, just maybe she didn't like flying on planes and she needed something to hold on to. Just maybe she had a crook in her neck. She needed that pillow more than me. Just maybe. Just maybe. And see, what happens is when we can't get over ourselves, we will never be able to judge anyone with mercy or with grace. When we can't get over ourselves, we will not be able to have a critical spirit towards someone that takes into account their entire story. And if we continue on our passage, Jesus asks us a question in verse 3, and he says this, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? And we love this part because it confirms what we've been suspecting, that there is something wrong with that person. <laughs> we love that part because I'm not crazy. I know there's a massive plank in my eye, but there is a speck. And Jesus is pointing out to us, yes, what you're noticing is right. It's true. It's true. But he continues. And he says, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. And the answer to this question is so simple. Isn't it more fun to look at what's wrong with somebody else because it helps us to feel better because it distracts us from what's wrong with us? Isn't it more fun to look at the issues that somebody else is dealing with because it's actually distracting us from what we might be dealing with? And then the other answer to this question is this. Honestly, Jesus, I didn't know there was a plank in my eye. I know it's like this big, but it just, I didn't see it. And that's how not self-aware we are sometimes is that we can have the ability to see a speck that if I had it in my hand, you probably wouldn't even be able to see it. And then we have this massive thing hanging out of our eye, and we're like, no, no, Jesus, I'm good. I don't see anything. I just see that little, you know, that, that in that person's eye. And then Jesus gives us a little clarity as, a, as to why he gives us this command in the first place. In verse 4, he says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? And what Jesus is saying is, how can you point out that there's something wrong with someone else when you have something wrong with you? How does that work? And I wonder if we ask the Holy Spirit right now in this message, if we asked him, what planks are we dealing with? What would we discover? What would we discover? Romans chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, 
For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. And Jesus finishes the statement with a word that we all are familiar with in verse 5. He says, you hypocrite. Don't we just love that word? Aren't you glad you came to church tonight? He says, you hypocrite. And according to Jesus, what a hypocrite is, is someone who is more fascinated by what's wrong with someone else than they are with what's wrong with them. It's someone that's more interested and preoccupied with fixing other people than with fixing themselves. It's people who see what's wrong with everyone else, but refuse to face up to what's wrong with them. And this is hard to hear, but it's true because the reality is, is I have things that I struggle with. You have things that you're struggling with. We all have things that we struggle with. There's, in all of our lives, there's a little bit of ratchetness. <laughs> Come on, let's be real, though. That's real talk. In every one of our lives, there's a little bit of ratchetness, if we're honest. And so what Jesus is trying to say is, I should focus on my issues and you should focus on your issues. I should focus on my stuff and let other people focus on their stuff, which leads me to the second thing that we can learn from this teaching, and it's mind your business. Look to the person to your left, tell them to mind your business. Come on, say it like you mean it, tell them to mind your business. Mind your business. Notice that in the same way that at the beginning of the passage, Jesus says, do not judge, and it ends with a comma. And here, in verse 5, it says, you hypocrite, not period. But there's a comma. And Jesus says, first. And it sounds like he's getting ready to give us a list of things that we need to do. Don't we just love to-do lists? I don't. He says, you hypocrite, first, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly. So when I see you, and I see your issues, it reminds me of my issues, and consequently, I deal with my issues, and now I'm better off. So when I see your sin, I go examine my sin, I deal with my sin, and now I become a better version of me. So instead of trying to mind someone else's business, which we love to do, I think first we need to mind our own. I wonder how many of us are actually missing out on the breakthrough that God has for us because we're too busy trying to fix somebody else's breakdown. I wonder how many of us are trying to set somebody else free when we aren't free ourselves. It's like trying to give directions to somebody to a place that you actually have never been. Imagine if Google Maps didn't have all of those addresses and destinations programmed into it. It'd be the worst app ever. And sometimes it is. <laughs> I, one, of my, one of my good friends, his name is Bobby, I asked for permission to share this story. 
But he, uh, he has this thing whenever we're in a group and somebody's like, oh, I'm getting ready to go to Vancouver. So random, Vancouver. I'm getting ready to go to Vancouver. He, Bobby would jump in the conversation. Oh, man, I love Vancouver. It's awesome. And here's the thing. I know Bobby. I, I know where he's been. I know what he's done. So when we leave the conversation, hey, hey, uh, Bobby, you ever been to Vancouver? No, man. I just... <laughs> <laughs> well, well how, do you, how, do you, how do you know it's awesome? I, just, I don't know. And here's the thing. You can, you can ask my wife every single time. Somebody's like, oh, I'm getting ready to go to San Diego. Oh, bro. San Diego, amazing, amazing, love it, absolutely love it. Bobby, you, 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 been, you been to San Diego? No, never been, man. Never been. <laughs> but I wonder how many of us are Bobby. If we're real, here's the thing. I wonder how many of us, Jesus is trying to give us a breakthrough all we have to do is mind our business. All we have to do is acknowledge the thing that we're struggling with so that he can actually deal with it. But instead, we're too busy trying to mind someone else's business when we have no business doing it in the first place. I love, love, love HGTV. Any HGTV people in the house. Come on, I wish I could be Chip Gaines. It's my hero. It's all I watch. Seriously, it's really all I watch. And uh, so anytime something happens in our apartment, I tell my wife, Tess, don't, don't worry about it. I'm going to fix it. I have no experience at all. Look at me. Do I look like I can use a power tool? But here's the thing. I love it. So here's the thing. If something happens to our toilet, oh, Tess, don't call the plumber. Don't call the plumber. I got it. I'm going to take care of it. I don't know a lick about plumbing. I never went to plumbing school. I just said plumbing school. I don't even know if that's a thing. But here's what happens. If I try to fix what's wrong with the toilet, I'm going to create a bigger mess than was there in the first place. And so I wonder how many of us are too busy trying to fix and mind somebody else's business and we're actually making the issue worse than it was in the first place. And maybe we just need to mind our business. Mind our business. And I think a lot of us would like for the verse to end there. Oh, take the plank out of your own eye so that you can see clearly. The end. I'm good. I'm a better person now. I saw your sin. It reminded me of my sin. I dealt with my sin, and now I'm good. The end. We would love it to end there. But Jesus said first, which makes us ask the question, well, what's next? What's next? And see, what happens is Jesus tells us that we are to remove the plank from our own eye so that then we can see clearly to take the speck out of our brother's eye or our sister's eye. And here's what that tells me. It goes back to, to me what Christianity and what following Jesus is all about, and that's this. Following Jesus never ends 
with what's in it for you. Following Jesus never ends with what's in it for me. But following Jesus is all about leveraging what God has done in me, what God has done for me, for the sake of others in the hope that they would not see me, but that they would see Christ in me and know that the same mercy and grace that Christ has shown me is for them. Following Jesus is never, it never stops with what's just in it for me. And one of the things that, you know, even us as a church, one of the things is, is, is that we want everybody to be equipped to follow Jesus and to do it well. And if you can understand that really following Jesus, it never ends with what's in it for you. If you can get that, everything else will take care of itself. This is the gospel that Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. I was glad that he did not stop. I was glad that he did not go to the cross and he was only thinking about himself and he said, Jesus, or God, I'm good. I'm good. What would my life look like if Jesus said, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to stop with what's only in it for me. I'm good. I'm good. What would our life look like? Jesus finishes verse 5. Like I said, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And it leads me to the last thing that we can learn from this teaching, and that's this. Be a gold miner. Look to the person to your left. Tell them, be a gold miner. Look to the person to your right. Tell them to be a gold miner. John 13, chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, it says this. Jesus gives this command to the disciples. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus isn't telling us to mind our business simply for the sake of us becoming a better person. But he's telling us to mind our business so that we can then go and help somebody whose business does need minding. And at that point, if we have taken care of our business, it is no longer judgment, but it's obedience. When we take care of our business so that we can go and help somebody else mind their business, it is no longer judgment, but it's obedience. It's what God is calling us to do. Jesus is commanding us to not address our issues simply for our sake, but to address our issues to prepare us to help others with theirs. To help others with theirs. And self-righteousness gets in the way of that command. It's hard to really love somebody in the midst of self-righteousness. And uh, my wife's family, they live out in uh, Elko, Nevada. Anybody heard of it? Wow. Okay. 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 Okay, great. Great. Well, let me pray for you. We'll be on our way. And, uh, 
But my, my wife's family, they live in Elko, Nevada. It's the middle of nowhere. So try imagining me in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we were out there spending time with our family, and we decided that we were going to go snowshoeing. If you don't know what snowshoeing is, it's when you put tennis rackets on your feet. <laughs> it's when you put tennis rackets on your feet, and you go hike up a mountain in the snow. Sounds awesome, no. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I had to borrow uh, a friend of the, the family's snowshoes. Because why would I own, look at me. Why would I own snowshoes? So this friend brings these snowshoes to the house. And he walks in. And I promise you, he's like covered. He took a bath in charcoal. And I was so confused. I was like, okay, I get we're in the middle of nowhere, but does nobody just, they just don't take showers here? That's cool if that's the thing. And, uh, and then her dad explained to me that Elko, Nevada is known for mining. That's, that's what people go there to do, to mine. And, uh, and so I said, okay, that's cool. And he's like, yeah, they actually try to take a bath, but it's so, like, it's so hard to get it off of their body. I mean, he came, I, I kid you not, he came in just covered. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. But what Jesus is calling us to do is he's calling us to mind our own business and then for us to be a gold miner. The same way that Jesus saw the gold in each of us, that Jesus valued us more than anything. He's calling us to do the same after we mind our business. And when I, thought, when I saw that guy, what it made me think about is, is I guarantee you that the people, the miners who actually discover the gold, are probably coming out the messiest. The miners who actually come up with a little bit of gold, but they can't get that stuff off of their bodies, mm, those are the ones. And I feel like that's what Jesus is calling us to do. He's calling us to be a gold miner, to see the best in people. After we've handled our business, the next thing for us to do is, you know what? I'm going to look at that person, and in spite of, I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to have a critical spirit towards them. But I'm going to see them the way that Jesus sees them. I'm going to see them the same way that Jesus saw me. In the midst of my mess, I'm going to see them the same way that Jesus saw me. I'm going to love them the same way that Jesus loved me. And my prayer is that we would be gold miners, that when we handle our business, that we come out of the mind just messy yeah. because we're finding gold in people. We're finding the gold that Jesus has put in people. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Value others above yourselves. And here's the, the last thing. Maybe you're sitting here saying, well, how do I practically live this out every day? I got one thing for you. It's this. It's stop, collaborate, and listen. <laughs> Any Vanilla Ice fans in the house? Stop, collaborate, and listen. To really practically live this out, what needs to happen is we need to stop. We need to examine ourselves. We need to collaborate, not with other people trying to mind their business, 
But we need to collaborate with the Holy Spirit. We need to take a moment to say, God, when we're tempted to judge somebody else, we need to just stop and say, God, where have I done something like that? When did I have a moment where I posted something like that? And then we need to listen. And here's what I know about when we listen to the Holy Spirit, it's always followed up with active obedience. Active obedience, not passive, active. Active means that there's an action associated with your obedience. There has to be some type of tangible change. We need to stop, collaborate, and listen. We need to stop, collaborate, and listen and repent of our self-righteousness. Let me say it this way. If the sin of others doesn't break your heart, then maybe your heart has never been broken over your own sin. If the sin of others doesn't break your heart, then maybe your heart has never been broken over your own sin. Because if my sin broke our Savior's heart, then the sin of others should break his followers' hearts. Jesus is calling us to be gold miners. Gold miners. So we need to stop, collaborate, and listen. Ice is back with the whole new invention. You got to finish it, right? You got to finish it. But John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And what happens if we are trying to mind somebody else's business without having resolved our own, it comes off as condemning, comes off as condemnation. But if we get over ourselves, we mind our business, we allow God to deal with our sin, and then we seek to take the speck out of somebody else's eye, then we leave room for the Holy Spirit to convict. And I wonder what our relationships would look like if we got over ourselves and instead of being self-righteous, we realized that our righteousness is only found in Christ. And we minded our business but didn't stop there. We became gold miners, helping others, loving them, and seeing them the way that Jesus loves and sees them and the way that Jesus has loved and saw us. I wonder what our church would look like. Jesus was speaking to people who were following him, and he said, you hypocrite. Upside down. I wonder what our families would look like. I wonder what our parenting would look like. We don't have kids. We, we're trying to parent a puppy. And, uh, but I, I, really, like, I really wonder what our parenting would look like if we followed this teaching. See, this love that Jesus gives to us forbids us to have a critical spirit towards one another and write each other off. Jesus calls us not to judge, but to become self-aware, to mind our business so that we can mind the gold that he sees in the midst of the mess in others. And if we're honest with ourselves, 
somewhere in our life there's a mess. But aren't we glad that our Savior is a gold miner? That he's willing to get messy because he knows that there's gold in here. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Church Podcast. If you are in New York City or will be visiting the New York area soon, please be our guest on Sunday. For service times and locations, please visit libertychurchnyc.com.